buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm super pumped up for today's uh, guest. I've got Kevin K.D. Dorpsey. Um, and he's got a podcast. He's, um, leading, he's a sales leader over at patient pop. He does all kinds of stuff. We've got some interesting topics that we're going to talk about today, but we're also going to dig into his story as well. So Katie, welcome to the show. Hey, long time coming, my man. We finally, we finally made it happen, made it real. So I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, man. I love your bio. You drink and you know some stuff about SaaS sales. You know, short and sweet, dude. I love a good bourbon. I love a good tequila. And I'm obsessed with SaaS sales and psychology and influence, man. That's that's where I spend my time. Yeah. And you're, you, and you're, you, uh, you're, I know you're from LA over here where I am, but now you're in Texas, right? Yep. So made, made the move. I'm one of those, you know, but we did a peak pandemic. We did it before like things really hit the fan. Uh, okay. But, you know, just, Right change, man. Like LA is my home base. I, I have it tattooed down my side. It will always be a part of me, but you know, it's time to, to make a move and we, we've loved it. Ah, man. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard move to make. Me and my wife have been talking about it. And, uh, I think a lot of people live here have that love hate relationship. with it. Absolutely. I joke about this with people like LA is that like really attractive ex that you know, you shouldn't be with, but you are because they're good looking. That's exactly what LA is. There's no logical reason to stay in LA for the cost, the stress, the traffic, everything that comes with it. But it's LA and you got yeah. the beach and it's just, it's just so good, good looking, right? Like, so <laughs> yeah. you talk yourself into it, but there's no real good reason when you break it down to, to stay unless you have to for your industry, which is also no longer the case for so many people. So it is what it is. I, I love yeah. LA. That's why I can talk bad about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely taking that little short clip snippet and putting it into and, and shipping that to my wife. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, man, let's get into it. Where did your sales career start? Like, what were you doing? Let's Ooh, dig in there and take it up from there. I mean, where it started was like selling like raffle tickets door to door to raise money for like my little league team or something, you know, like that's that's where it started. And funny enough, I think that's when very early on, I started to understand like the numbers of sales, right? I'm like, okay, I can hit 20 doors in an hour. If I can get at least five people to answer and one person to say, yes, all right, I got to hit a hundred doors to do this. Where are there a hundred doors? And then you start thinking like, hey, which doors are most likely to answer? And so that was, I think when I started selling, but even then, like thinking of a process, right? Like breaking down like the numbers and what I need to do to get there from a very early age. And so did that. Um, but I wouldn't, I'm not a natural salesperson like that. This was not 
I was never described as such. I would not describe myself as such. I'm not an extrovert, which I also think surprises a lot of people. I'm way more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. But one thing that I've always done in my life has been very big on patterns, right? Like I, I pick up on patterns very quickly. And when I was in college, uh, you know, I dropped out 15 credits short. So I was in a career and a major that I did not want to do anymore. And I felt I was wasting time and money and energy and all those things. But I still needed a job. And one of the patterns I picked up on is like, there's always sales jobs. Mm. Always. No matter what. Even if they're commission only, there are always sales jobs. So I was like, even if I'm like just okay at this, at least I'll always have a job. I'll always be able to find a job in sales. And so that's what started, I would say, like my professional journey. And I've sold insurance, knockoff Cutco knives. That was a shit show. That didn't go well. <laughs> Multi-level marketing, XM radios. And then I got into personal training sales and then from there. But that was really what started the, the journey for me. I was like, there's always sales jobs, so I might as well figure out how to do this thing. Mm, wow. I mean, I'm super intrigued by at a young age, like selling raffle tickets that you were already figuring out like the numbers and the process, right? Because most people aren't figuring that out. Most kids at that age are like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Let's hurry up and just knock on these doors so I can get it over with and say I did it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a good, good friend of mine, Jocko Vanderkuj over at Winning by Design, he said something a couple years back that really resonated with me. He said, chips on shoulders put chips in pockets. And I think that's a big part of what drove me is I didn't have much. I didn't come mm. from much. I had that chip on my shoulder. It wasn't optional, Right. It was like, all right, like I need to do these things to do that. I also had a paper route. Like that wasn't sales. I had a paper route when I was very young too. It's like when you come from nothing, sometimes that drives you to do more. Right. Like numbers have always been my thing. I love math. I love math. I've always been very I think that was something that like came into that too of like, okay, like what are the numbers to hit the numbers? And I went for it, man. But like chips on shoulders, put chips in pockets, baby. You find people that got a chip on their shoulder, something to yeah. prove, they always will outperform people that don't. Absolutely. I couldn't agree. I mean, my story is kind of similar. You know, I was raised by a single mom, came from nothing. We were dirt poor. And like, you know, I, I barely made it through high school. College was clearly not in the cards for me. Nobody even told me it was important. And it wasn't like sales was my fallback plan or my plan B. It was like there was nothing else out there that was willing to take a chance on me. And I made the most of it. Hell yeah, baby. Love it. So, all right. So let's, let's talk like, when did you get into SaaS sales? And, and, you know, after like, you know, you kind of walked through lots of different sense of doing different things, even, um, you know, knockoff Cutco knives. First time mm -hmm. I heard that one, I heard a lot oh, of yeah. Cutco. I've heard a lot of people that cut their teeth in Cutco, uh, nah. but knockoffs, that was a first one. Mm -hmm. yeah, they were called <laughs> blades with a Z. Shocking that I didn't do very well in that, but you know, it is what it is. I was chasing the cash at that time. They had a better commission plan, but I didn't realize you actually had to be able to sell them to make the better commission. So, you know, it is what it is. Learning lessons, baby. Yeah, Learning that lessons. math didn't work out too well. It did not. <laughs> and on the spreadsheet, it did, though. The math always works in the spreadsheet. No matter what, it works in the spreadsheet. It just didn't work in real life. So, learning lesson. Yeah. So, so when, when did you get into SaaS sales and um, sort of walk me through that journey? So, technically, and I actually, this, I think not a lot of people know this or it surprises people. Technically speaking, I've only been in SaaS for four years. Oh, wow. Like tech, technically to the letter, I've only been in SaaS for four years, Service Titan and Patient Pop. Prior to that, I was at Snack Nation, but we called it a SNAS company, right? Snacks as a service, 
Because literally everything I built there, and that's truly where I cut my teeth in building large, high-performing sales orgs, was the same as SaaS. Yeah. Recurring revenue, targeting, mm-hmm. you know, HR, targeting high-level executives, outbound selling with inbound. Like I built everything there the same way a SaaS company would build. It just wasn't technically SaaS, right? And so that's what, why I always get a kick with be like, oh, you got to have SaaS experience. It's like, really? Yeah. Really? Like you have, because it's that different to sell this stuff, right? Like, cause that's what was fun too, is I was selling snacks in a box, dude. I went from zero reps to over 70 reps, went from zero revenue to almost 25 million in revenue ARR in under three years selling snacks in a box, right? So now give me a software. Are you kidding me? Like I don't have a software I can sell that has true yeah. tangible art. Like it's easier to sell SaaS than it is to sell a lot of these other things, right? So my journey, I would say, building high-performing sales orgs was with Snack Nation. From there, I was able to go to Service Titan, now a unicorn, to Patient Pop, now a unicorn, right? So I got two of those bad boys under my belt, and you know, we'll see what I do for the rest of my career. Keep chasing those corns, baby. Keep chasing them. So let's dig into the snacks as a service experience. Um, cause I'm curious from zero reps to 70 reps, what did that journey look like? You know, and part of your bio was like, there's been a lot of failure as well, right? I believe failure is the recipe to success. Um, and so I'm curious, like, you know, what did you building out a model that's very similar to a SaaS model for a snacks as a service company, walk me through what that journey was like. I mean, it's really the same as I think it's like any journey, right? When you think about building any high performing org, you have to have the right people. You have to have the right process and you have to have a phenomenal understanding of your prospect. No matter what you're selling, those three things matter. And that's where I spent all my time figuring things out. It's also what triggered me building my brand, right? was like, all right, I wanted people to want to work for me. Right? I wanted the right people to want to work for me. If you had an mm-hmm. idea of kind of who I was and how I operated, You'd come join a company like Snack Nation. And I could not pay top dollar. So what do other people care about besides cash? They care about development. So that's where I really focus on being the coach and the teacher and building out a phenomenal training program to make people better. So now while I'm developing people, I'm building out the processes, right? So I'm learning from the Aaron Rosses of the world, the Mark Roberges of the world, the Kevin Gaithers of the world at that time of going like, okay, like how do they build these things out? All right, <laughs> imitate first, innovate second. All I did was imitate. I said, all right, well, this is what other people did successfully. Let me imitate first, do what they did, and mm-hmm. then start to innovate. And then that last part is like knowing the space, right? I knew this space well because the company human. Human stood for helping unite mankind and nutrition. It was a healthy vending and healthy market company. So a lot of people don't know that about my career either. These were seven-figure deals. This was enterprise-type selling, right? Selling to the big companies, putting markets in their office and vending machines on every floor, selling to school districts and RFPs and the government and all that. Like, I was cutting my teeth on big big deals there with an org wall building, Snack Nation. But I knew the space well. And Mm. that's what allowed me to take it to, to market very quickly and... What I told when we went through this, the, the question got brought up of like, could we do it? Also, pattern recognition. We were throwing away over 70% of our inbound leads for healthy vending because they were too small for a vending machine. The pattern is smaller offices need this more than the bigger offices. Would a smaller office be willing to pay for snacks in their office? 
So I said, give me, give me three reps in three months. Let's see if we can do this. We did. And then, all right. And that completely, that completely, um, changed the company, right? Snack nation became the thing human and human was the number one franchise in the country. We were on Inc's 500. We we're on Forbes list. We we're an entrepreneur mag. Like it was the best of the best. And we mm. shut that down because of what snack nation became. Wow. What an incredible story. And I love, I love that piece there. Imitate and innovate, right? What are some things that you took from some of the people that you mentioned that you imitated to build out that model? Um, so I guess like the repeatable outbound processes from Aaron Ross going, okay, you build a sales process. So like, here's where the steps would go, right? The, the emails and the call. So that was a big part, the hiring scorecard from Mark Roberge, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, having a strong hiring scorecard and how to tie incentives to what your team actually needs and or wants and what the company wants from Kevin Gaither. That's where I built out a lot of like the training content of like, hey, you need to have a train, like a sales playbook and it needs to be documented and call scorecard came from yeah. Gaither and Mike Brooks and their programs, right? So it's like, all right, let's do the things that are working. I was very early into sales loft as well. Very early. I was at the first Rainmaker when they were just a little tech village, right? And learning from them and, you know, Kester and um, Porter and all of them, right? Just like learning, like, okay, like what are other companies doing? And one of my things I give a lot of like mentees and my team advice on is I say outwork and outlearn. Mm. Outworking people is actually very easy to do. Most people do not understand what hard work actually is, but outlearning is the easiest thing to do, right? Just learn it and do it. But most sales reps don't read books. Most salespeople don't go to these conferences to learn. They go to network. And like, I was just learning and putting it into practice, which then allows me to mess things up, learn and optimize. So those are like core, the scorecard for scoring calls, for hiring people, repeatable processes from like the Aaron Rosses of the world of like, okay, step one, step two, step three, the email, the calls. And then I got to put my own twist on it as I went. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Building something from nothing. It's an incredible story. Um, I'm super curious to ask you a question because when you mentioned at Snack Nation, like, you know, you, you started investing in your brand to attract the type of people that you wanted and you couldn't pay the money that they could get at SaaS companies, but you still were able to hire the talent that you wanted based on the, you know, uh, coaching and development that you offered. What, what was that? What did it look like? And how did you you know, position that to get those people that valued that on the team? So one, it's when you start to, you know, pay attention to what people actually do. And we'll, we'll talk about money here in a bit, I'm sure. But like when, when you read reviews on companies, when you read reviews on great bosses, very rarely is it ever, they paid me the most. Yeah. Like think about it for a second. Like that's never what actually gets brought up. What do people talk about with their company when they love it? the support, the culture, the communication, the training, and the development, right? So it's paying attention to what really actually matters to people and going, okay, well, let's do that, right? So we had a 90-day onboarding program, right? Before it was cool, before there was enablement, right? We had the call scorecards before people were doing that. I was leading weekly sales training. You could go hit up anyone that worked for me then. This is now five years ago at its peak. You could go back seven years from when this is seven years ago, dude seven years ago when I was building out this machine. We had a, a whiteboard room in one of our offices. We did weekly script reviews, mapping out the full scripts with objection handling. Before Gong was Gong, there was ExecVision. We were one of the first customers with ExecVision on how to do call coaching, right? Like it was built in to what we did as a company all the time, all the time. 
And so that was a big focus of it. We'd go through books together, right? And as a company, so Snack Nation and Human, they had something um, called Sensei Sessions. Like every Sensei Session, where we were talking about some sort of topic that people could learn from, time management, health, nutrition, mindset, right? Like all those yeah. things were just built into the org, and that attracts the right type of people, right? And that's what matters because also, too, what people forget about, like, you try to hire money-motivated individuals, which, again, I'll dispel that myth real quick here in a second, right? Well, then do we wonder why people leave so fast to make more money. Like, you're, set, you're literally setting yourself <laughs> up to have high turnover because right. also as an industry, only 40 45% of people are getting to quota anyway, which means only 40 to 45% of people are actually hitting their OTE which means only 40 to 45% are actually making the money that they're chasing. So of course they're going to leave. Of course we're going to have 60% turnover because only 40% are getting the money they're looking for. Right. I think so, it's even, I think it might even be less now. It's like 30, it's, it's, it's like 30, only 30% there, are consistently 30% give or take are roughly consistently hitting quota. And Man, I'm excited to dig into this um, because I told you I, I don't know what side of the fence, but I could be convinced. Um, we're going to get into that in a minute, but it makes a lot of sense because, okay, so you're hiring money-motivated people. So why are you so surprised when they leave? <laughs> right. Especially when they're not making their money. The entire relationship's built on a lie. Are you money motivated? Mm. Yeah, I'm money motivated. Cool. You can make 150K here. Hell yeah, that's what I want. Their first year W-2 is 84. You lied about their money. And when you lie about money, is there, and also people forget about this, any, <laughs> anything that is dependent upon money to occur is not a relationship. It's a transaction. Ooh. Remember that. Say that. Say that one more time, just so we don't anything forget. Anything that requires money for something else to occur is not a relationship that is a transaction, period. Right. And so we again, we wonder why there's this gap in the sales industry. If like we'll, we'll go into this right here. OK, so common, common theme with salespeople, right? That yeah. salespeople are coin operated. Right. You've heard this theory before. Yeah. Sounds like you're kind of on that side of the fence. Salespeople are yeah. coin operated. Right. Yeah. OK, Colin, this is where it gets fun. Do you know how a coin operated machine actually works? In order to get the bag of chips out of the vending machine do i have to put the money in first or do i get the chip and then put the money in oh, you gotta put the money in first so and sometimes it doesn't even work and you don't get the chips okay. now real quick though <laughs> so that's how a coin operated machine works is that how we pay our salespeople, or do we make them give us the chips first and then we give them the coin they gotta give us the chips that's not coin operation, right? That's not actually how it works, right? When truthfully for motivation, and I've spent now years like studying this, anything that again is dependent upon is actually no longer motivation, right? If I have to sell to get the money, the money is not actually the motivator. I have to do the thing first versus mm -hmm. motivation is from an internal, like either joy or fulfillment of the task at hand. Right. Motivation. Also, people forget what motivation means. Motivation means change of behavior, change of behavior. OK. I, have you led teams, Colin? I actually don't know your yeah. full background. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you've led teams. Okay. So if I walked out tomorrow and doubled commission, would results double? If you walked out tomorrow and doubled commission, would the results double? Mm -hmm. No. 
Say that again. Wait. So um, you, you kind of lost me with the question. If so if I, I have a sales org, yeah, and I again money motivated, right? Commissions yeah, yeah. drive behavior. If yeah. I went out and doubled commissions, do you believe results would double? Yeah. Absolutely not. You can test it because I have. I have doubled commissions. I have tripled. It doesn't change the actual behavior of the majority. And this is where people get shit wrong. Okay. I'm tracking with you. Okay. May it change your behavior? Maybe. Temporarily. Maybe temporarily. Right. You might be part of the 7% that are technically money motivated. Right. Less than 7% of people are actually money motivated, meaning they do anything they can to make more money. How many people in your life do you actually know? that will do anything they can very, very to make few. more money. Very right? few. Think of that, any sales team that you've worked on. That's not how most people work. No, and, and people that are, let's just say that 7%, have a really hard time leading people. Right. Because but, they think everybody should think at, and act the way that they should. And here we go. Okay, where do most leaders come from? Top performing reps. Right. Are top performing reps oftentimes money motivated? Yes, yes, they are. So then we wonder why this entire industry has been built on this idea of a carrot and stick mindset because the leaders were money motivated. Right. So they create comp plans that make sense for them. But back to what we were saying before, and this is something I constantly ask myself in all walks of life, IIW, is it working? If only 35% of people are hitting their goal in sales with a compensation structure that's supposedly designed to drive the behaviors to get to their goal, is it working? Clearly right? not. Clearly not. Right. Something's broken. We're, we're afraid to answer it. But then people are like, oh, well, then they won't do their jobs. Cool. Let's talk about this part of it. What other role pays like this? Do we pay programmers 50% of their income for delivering clean code? Nope. 50% of income. Okay, so we don't do it with the programmers. What about what about marketing? Do we pay marketing 50%? We, we, we hold back 50% of their income based upon the Google ad performance? Nope. Ah, okay. All right. How well, about doctors? Clearly, How about, about doctors? doctors? Right, doctors <laughs> or, or lawyers? Oh, what about, shoot, what about teachers, CS, nurses, garbage men, any nothing else does this. And also too, funny enough, we love to talk to like sales or like athletes, same bullshit there, right? The athlete actually gets a contract for performance. Here's $20 million to go do the thing that you're supposed to do. Not we'll give you $20 million at the end of the year, right? So this is a lot of this, by the way, this isn't me just ranting on like these, yeah. these, these are studies. These are facts. People actually have proven this money actually decreases creativity and problem solving for cognitive tasks. When you put a monetary value yeah. on a cognitive task, creativity and problem solving goes down. It stresses people out, down. stresses people out, right? I've been in this industry now for 16 years. That means for 16 years, Colin, I have woken up and not know what I'm going to make this month. And we wonder why also we don't get great talent always into this world. We are a ragtag bunch of misfits because we're the only ones willing to take that risk. Mm. So it's not working. It doesn't motivate. It does not change behavior to the way that we think that it could. Right. So what happens? Because the last part I'll touch on and we can go back and forth. Right. So we said all the other people are paid to do their job and they seem to do it. Do we truly believe sales people are that different? 
that they're not because here's where people always freak out. Yeah. If you're a top performer, Colin, you're a top performer because you're, you're a top performer, man. You, you, you were going to do that anyway. And right. real quick, before someone jumps through the screen and tries to strangle me, I'm not a commie. <laughs> I'm not saying that I won't overpay for overperformance. That's not what I'm saying. Right. If you're crushing it, I'm still going to pay you more. But I believe more and more salespeople would gladly take a 100K guaranteed job and go do it than the 135K 60 40 split with the carrot dangled over it. And I also believe I could have higher expectations for people because I'm paying you to do your job. The moment, again, back to the transaction. If you have to do your job to get paid, now things feel optional. Mm. Oh. Right. You know, like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it because you're not paying me to do it. Right. Right. And so, then I get comfortable with just making what I'm going to make because right. that's what more I'm going to make. More and more people, with, and this again, this is how we look at things. Yes, we love upside, but we make decisions on downside. And you know exactly what I mean by that. We love to think about the upside, but we make decisions on the downside. What is the worst case scenario? So I'm looking at that base. Yep. All right. Like, yeah, I want to make 120, but like, will I be okay? With this, right? Like, I survive on this. Okay. Like, I'll be all right here. Like, so my dream sales org, my dream sales org is I would love two comp plans. Two comp plans. One is 80, 90% base. Here's your job. Go do it. Pay you this. The other one is a 50 50 split. You have that type of personality and that type of individual. Yeah. You can make more on that plan than on the other plan, but then you get to choose. Then you get to choose. I, I could, I can guarantee this. And one day I'll be able to do this. I'll have a product to be my own company because finance will never agree to this ever. Like I'll do this. I will be able to out recruit everybody, everybody. Yeah. I'll be able to out recruit. And do, what do you think my retention will look like? Are you really going to risk it somewhere else? you know you're going to make this much with me for doing your job, or you're going to go risk it and come backwards on that base. People don't like to go backwards on bases. You know that too. So I could out-recruit everybody in the industry if that was an option. And there's companies starting to do this, man, and it works. I've gotten to test it once. I had a team of LDRs, team of LDRs, like lead development reps. Their pay was 55K a year. And guess what I did? I paid it to them. And guess what they did? performed (laughs) right like comp plans for most companies are lazy management they think the comp plan will drive the behavior it it won't and it it doesn't and i've tested enough times now to see that it truly does not incentives can drive some change but not the day-to-day actions it just burns people out Mm, wow there's a lot there's a lot there I'm sure this is an unpopular opinion with most and you, you much cat, you must catch some pretty, some pretty good shit for it here and there. <laughs> I do. I do. But this is what's hilarious about it. No one can defend it. You cannot like it, but you can't defend it. What's the counterpoint to what I said? What's the counterpoint? No, you, you, you made a good case. I would say, I would say I'm, I'm much, I'm, I'm much more of a believer than, than when we, you know, before we hit record, we were talking about it. I was like, oh, it's going to be an For interesting, sure. it's going to be an interesting topic. Can um, you give me a counterpoint that says commissions are actually working and driving the behaviors that we're looking for? Well, I, I like, the answer is no. And, 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 but I like the perfect scenario of two options. Like, hey, maybe mm-hmm. you are that weird, crazy 
money motivated person because they do exist, Mm -hmm. but they're far and few between. I think I'm one of them. I I would take a commission only sales job any day of the week Mm -hmm. and and perform. Yeah. Um, So what's funny about that, and this would be fun because you know you better than you. But I believe you're a high performer. I don't know that you're actually money motivated because if you're truly money motivated, it's really hard to start your own shit because that's a risk. Mm, but I also like a challenge. I also okay, like a challenge. Okay, okay. So, see, now, now we're talking, right? So which actually drives you the, the most? The challenge, the challenge, there for we sure. Go. But All also right. I grew up with nothing, right? Yep. So I perform well under pressure. I perform better when my back's up against the wall and I have to perform. Love it. And that's what drives me. And, and maybe it's, it's not necessarily the money. It's the challenge right. and it's the journey. Right. And that like, and that's what allows you to start your own thing because the money's on the upside. The money's in the future. A money motivated individual does not wait for money in the future. They make it now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that like, I think you fall into that bucket of like chips on shoulders. You got a chip on your shoulder. You're a high performer. You're a hard worker. You're sharp. You do that shit. Cause that's who you are. Money is the outcome from it. I know money motivated people. I know them. Right. And either, either they're already making a lot of money or they're in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. they make that money now. Right. They make it now. And that's what they do. So like that, that's where like, if we can't provide a counterpoint of something working, then we have to be willing to admit that it's an emotional attachment, not a logical attachment. There's something wrong there. And having that option for people, I think changes the entire scope because I bet more one, I think we get better people into sales more people into sales, right? Mm. They stay in sales longer. And then, yeah, you got those crazy people that want to take that risk on themselves. Fuck yeah, go for it, dude. Do yeah. it. But that's not the majority. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, to kind of put a bow on this topic, right? It, it goes back to what you said earlier where, you know, people are signing up for that sales job on a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're going to make this. And in a lot of cases, they barely scratch half per, 50% of what they're promised. Right. They, they don't get there. And that, that again is like, there's this idea that the money is going to drive the right behavior. And it, we have to be willing to admit that it's not, it's, it's not driving the behaviors. If money motivated, I'd never have to talk to my team about dials. If money motivated, I would never have to talk to my team about role plays because they know they make them better. They do it. I would never like that's what money would motivate to a certain point. If money truly motivated, I wouldn't need managers. Mm. I wouldn't need managers. If money motivated, I would just need coaches. You would do the right thing every single day because it would make you more money. Right. Which, which is the truth, but it doesn't work. Right. So, and, and to some extent you've sort of tested this, right? Because you, Recruited people that valued other things, Mm -hmm. not the money. Yes. And the best comp plan I truly believe I've ever had was one of the first comp plans I ever made. And I have tested, God, dude, I've tested so many comp plans in my career now. And this is what people are like, oh, well, it does change things. It does change certain behaviors, but it doesn't change attainment. Right. You can change a comp plan to drive like, okay, you want more upsells or you want more annuals. You can gain that. But in terms of total like attainment, it doesn't. The comp plan that I had early on at Snack Nation, and I would do this again, I actually recommend companies to do this, was based off recurring revenue. 
right? You got a percentage of your recurring revenue and the percentage you got was determined by your quota attainment. Mm. And what that did is, first of all, short term, you weren't making a lot of money. You didn't have a lot of recurring revenue. So again, I didn't have money motivated people in those seats because you weren't making a lot yet. You had your base and you had, you know, nothing. But it got you thinking long term because it stacked. That incentivized you around churn too, because if you're higher, if you're closing bad deals, they all leave. Mm. I can tell you to the dollar where you're capped. If you've got 10% monthly churn, this is where you're capped. You're never going to be able to make more than that because eventually you're going to have more leaving. But then every dollar in made it. And funny enough, it became like a secondary base. You knew what you were walking into every single month. And guess what? Those people still showed up and did their job. Now, my top performer stayed my top performer. So the last day, I still like, I'll call them out by name. Jenny Eisenberg, Diana De La Torre. I still remember them. Jordan Cohen, last days of the month, already way past their quota and still bringing in deals because that got them a higher percentage of their total base, right? Yeah. Like that, that type of plan to me also showed like when people know they're going to make money, they're also more likely to do the right things. When you're worried about money, when you're stressed over money. Yeah. Right. Cause also too, last point, you know, I can go on this all fucking day. Last point, buyers don't trust us. You know why they don't trust us? Cause we're paid to say anything, right? We joke about commission yeah. breath, but then we do nothing about it. We tell mm. reps don't have commission breath, but then force them to have commission breath. Right. Yeah. Like they're paid commission. And like, you know, it's bad when, there's certain industries that will say our salespeople are non-commissioned as a competitive advantage. Think about that. Who would you rather deal with? A sales rep making commission or a sales rep not? Sales rep not. So that's the buyer speaking. Just, just, just uh, naturally, I'm going to think, well, they're going to be more honest because right. they, they, <laughs> still. I mean, I think, and I don't know this for sure, but I think like, you know, if you go back to like car sales, right? Like that's always the sleazy car salesman is like the, you know, what people think about when they think of salespeople. Well, like Tesla, they don't make commission mm -hmm. and it's a good experience. They just go there and they teach you and help you solve your problem, teach you everything about the car, take you, let you take it out. And yeah. that's it. And, and that's, that's how it can be. Right. And I do believe also from a leadership perspective, I actually do believe this allows me to hold the line a little bit tighter. I'm paying you 125 K to do this. So do this, that 125%, that 125 K is not dependent upon you getting there, do these things. Cause then also too, I think this allows us to move people out also faster. It's like, look, I'm paying you to go do this. We're yeah. not doing this. Yeah. So fix these things or right. not, what it's other, not a fit. Right. What other yeah. job could you also consistently be significantly below and keep your job? Nowhere. Right? Nowhere. Nowhere. But we allow it in sales because the punishment is they're not making commission. Ah. Man, you got me so, over to the dark side now, Katie. You know, there, there's ways <laughs> to do this, man. There's ways to do it. And this is one of my leadership mottos. One of my like problem solving mottos is consider the opposite. Consider the opposite. Cause I have, man, I have literally tripled commissions before and seen less than a 10% lift in results. I have doubled. I have spiffed heavily. I have changed mm -hmm. comp plans left and right. Eventually we have to say, this isn't driving the behavior. I do think I could, I, I think if I walked out to my teams tomorrow, 
I said, okay, your OTE under the old plan was 140. I'm going to pay you 120 K. And as long as you're above 80% of your goal, you're good. You get a past 105%. Bam. There's spiffs, there's bonuses, all that. Shit. Yeah. I bet you performance goes up. I can, I would bet all sorts of money that if I walked out and said, Hey, I'm actually paying you to do your job because I'm trusting you now to do your job. Just yeah. like every other industry trusts their people to do That's their the job. That's the key right there. Right. Is they feel like they owe it to you because he's like, Hey, they're, he, they, he, they're trusting me that I'm going to do a good job. So now I got to do a good job. Right. They're not Done. hanging it over my head. Like, Hey, if you don't do a good job, you're going to earn shit money. Right. And if you do a good job, you know, then you get paid more. Weird. Weird. So people can come after me all they want. It's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Like, where should we tell everybody to send the hate mail if they didn't like this unpopular dude, message? Where I get all my hate mail, <laughs> send it to me on LinkedIn and I'll laugh as I sip on a bourbon that you thought that any way you could negatively impact my mindset or thought process here. Like that's what cracks me up with like link like you you get some like snotty shit and it's like how how miserable of a person do you need to be to get joy out of trying to take me down? Yeah. Like I laugh at that shit. So come, come at me there. But anyone listening, here's what I want. Come at me, but defend it. Yeah. Defend it. Defend your angle. Don't just disagree with mine. Defend your angle. And I'm all for it. I'm all, I'm ready to hear it. Man, this was fun, Katie. Tell people where they can connect with you. Any final thoughts, uh, all that good stuff. Anything yeah. we're going to drop in the show notes for them. For sure. So, I mean, I have my own podcast as well, Live Better, Sell Better. Um, really love to go into like tactics and things of that nature, but also cover some of the human element side of things, which I think people can pick up on. Like I'm talking about humans here, right? The person and salesperson is also why I believe paying people more upfront is better for the person, right? And then I do believe that leads to better sales. So, Live Better, Sell Better is the podcast. I have a Patreon, Inside Sales Excellence, where I do like monthly, you know, hour long trainings, like not little snippets, like hour long trainings on discovery, sales, leadership, all that kind of fun stuff. And you can follow me on, on LinkedIn. I am at that stupid connection limit at this point. I've kind of purged my connections so many times. So I follow if I can't accept connections right now, but that'd be the best place to, to find me. Awesome. We'll drop the Patreon link there. We'll drop the podcast link. We'll drop your LinkedIn all in the show notes for everybody. So it's easy for them to find. Thanks so much for coming on. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we're always listening for your feedback. Uh, you can go over to salestransformation.fm and drop us a voice DM and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.